And we're back. And we're black. And it's halfway through TIFF. Well, it's not, day seven. Not even halfway. Yeah. Two-thirds of the way through. It, it's most of the way through for anybody who's a critic and in town, like, getting paid to see movies. Most people are wheels up tonight. Mm. Some people who were leaving today that were bringing their luggage into the light box uh, almost knocked over my drink. Yes, I said my drink. I had a martini. No, a Manhattan. A margatini? I had a Manhattan before the salesman. It was noon, 05. Yeah, that's and okay. uh, one of the lovely servers came by and asked if I wanted a drink. And I... My brain said coffee, but my heart said booze. Wait. And then I went from, like, wine to a Manhattan. He's, Where were you? I was at the light box. I was waiting for my movie to oh, start. Oh, but were you, like, in Luma or something? Yeah, I was just sitting in Luma in the lounge oh. area. Well, they will ask you if you want a drink. Yeah. I mean, everybody else is getting coffee. Some people <laughs> who ordered lunch have wine with it. Yeah. But the guy came back giggling. He said, I, I told them in the back about you how you went from, like, zero to 100. <laughs> and next thing I know, you were from... Maybe I shouldn't drink to maybe a glass of wine, something light, to I'd like a Manhattan with Woodford in it. See, this is like improv. Yes, and. Yeah. Someone offers you a drink. Okay. I'll have a, uh, what do you call that? A, a Boilermaker? Is that a drink? I think that's a drink. Yeah. It's a Boilermaker. But yeah, we're going to get right into it because I got to go to another movie tonight. We're going to the same movie. It's our first. Is our first, first one together? Well, yeah. Wouldn't we have known? I, I didn't even honestly. Well, I didn't really look at your list. I'm toe up. But I'm pretty flow up right but, now. But I'm pretty sure it, this is our first one together. Yay! Huzzah! So uh, we wanted to talk about what we've liked so far because last year this was uh, one of our most downloaded episodes because people who were still going to try to check something out on the weekend apparently listened to us. I don't know. Well, there's no accounting for taste. There isn't any really. So uh, I'm going to start with one that I found. I'm going to say I'm not surprised, but I am a little bit surprised by how much I liked it. Loving. Yeah. Uh, I love Loving. Joel Edgerton. I uh, forgive him for whatever movie where he played somebody who should have been Egyptian now. And oh, Gods of Egypt, I think it was. I don't know if it was Gods of Egypt. Oh, no, I think that was the was, one with Jamie Lannister. Oh, shit, you're right. Yeah, it was. this is the Ridley Scott one. Yeah. Uh, Exodus, I yeah. believe it was called. And Or Excrement. Ruth Nega. And... Yeah. Have you seen Loving yet? No, I have not. Okay, so I'm not going to spoil if somebody doesn't have access to the internet or has never read a history book. However, I will say your question about how are they going to do this movie because the couple was so low-key and didn't yes. say much. And they really they kept them super taciturn, both mm-hmm. of them. Like She mm-hmm. was slightly more chatty than him, but that's, that's not saying they much. Are. He was a man of very little words. But she also she has those anime eyes of hers. Mm-hmm. So she was able to do so much with just a look. And he was able to do so much just physically, like camera from the back, looking at him like, you know, leaning over a car or staring out in the middle distance. It was honestly, like, I've never felt how much a couple loves each other more and having and them ends. say yes, yes, like say less. It, yeah. was, it was fucking beautiful. Yeah. And unlike other movies that I sometimes cry throughout or cry like during the middle or did I see one last thing with you where I, me and the, the chubby Asian boy a few seats down were just weeping for most of the movie? This sounds familiar. Yeah, it was with that Michael Angnaro kid, and he, like, uh, has cancer, and he has a wish to have sex with the... His, like, make-a-wish is to have sex with a model or a supermodel no, or something. No, well, I never saw that, but everything else sounds familiar. Yeah. Anyway, point is, that movie... I held it together till the end, and then, like, the end credit stuff, yeah. and then I just I completely dissolved into a puddle of Wait, feels. Let me guess. They had pictures of the real people, didn't they? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
That always does it. It always does it. But uh, it was beautiful, and it was funny in the Q&A, the director was talking about having, um, because somebody asked, like, has the family, you know, seen this, or, like, did they give their blessing? And he did say that he looked over the script with one of the daughters, and that he said it was kind of hard to get feedback because, and he pauses, she's a lot like her dad. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And I, I knew I'd like it, but I didn't know I would like it that much. I might want to see it again if I could like handle it emotionally. No, that's, that's a good sign. I mean, there's only one movie I've seen uh, this year, I think, that I would consider seeing twice. Well, that I've committed to seeing twice. I'm like, I'll go see it with you the day that it opens. Um, but uh, it's rare now to actually want to see something, especially in the theater again. Because, yeah. I mean, home video, home video, what year is this? Yeah. Uh, watching it at home is easy, but to actually commit to going back to a movie theater to see something because the cinematic experience was so great and you feel like the movie has to be seen on the big screen. Uh, and I assume you're talking about seeing it in, in the theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. So which one would you see again? Um, uh, Nocturnal Animals. Oh, right. It's, uh, it's my favorite movie of the year. I know that it's only middle of September, but there's a, yeah, there's not going to be a movie that I like more um, th- this year. Um, I can't think of a movie in recent history that I've liked as much as this movie, actually. Jesus. It's phenomenal. It's, um, I mean, I loved uh, A Single Man. I think we all did, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was seven years ago, and it was, you know, a, a first-time director, and you're like, well... Maybe yes, it was a fluke. It was very style. Yeah. And, you know, very heavy on style. Um, so you think, yes... Uh, if the if a single man had been stripped of its style, would it still would it still be a good movie? I think so. Probably, but not as good because, I mean, really, the thing that I remember most about that movie are realizing how good Nicholas Holt was and seeing him as a blonde and like that white. Remember he had that white high turtleneck sweater. He looked beautiful, and Colin Firth's eyeglasses. Like those are the two things from the movie that I remember. Well, even and the other touches, like the opening the drawer and the like, the preciseness with which. This person lived their life. Yeah. Oh my god! It was, yeah, but, it was very stylized. But it, so you realize, you know, like that the the the, the production designer and the set director uh, did an immaculate job, uh, so much so that you kind of noticed it, which isn't a bad thing. But it was still very yeah. much in. The, so um, watching this movie about rich, disaffected um, Angelinos, um, where style actually does play a much bigger part than it would in a single man. Um, it's, I barely noticed the trappings of their lives. I mean, this place that Amy Adams lived, like her home was absolutely beautiful, but, uh, because the story connected so much emotionally, uh, the performances were amazing. I mean, I haven't seen, um, uh, with the arrival, but Amy Adams is going to be competing against herself for an Academy Award because... She was phenomenal in this movie. Maybe she'll finally get one this year. Yeah, I mean... I, has she won one yet? She yeah. hasn't. Uh, I think she... I believe she won for Dunebug, for supporting. Oh, okay. Um, but then I hear that <clears throat> Emma Stone is really good on La La Land. She yeah. Would, and she's... Uh, I mean, she's and not she's bad. positioned to. She's not yeah, bad. Yeah. But I don't think she's like Academy Award winning good. Yeah, I mean, Amy Adams is everything, and um, Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic. Uh, all of the performances. I mean, there's this one great scene with, with Jenna Malone, who's kind of becoming like this go to person for these quirky roles. Like, Jenna Malone, I mean, she was cut out of um, Batman v Superman, but in the extended cut, her, you know, she has a, what amounts to a cameo. And then she was in the movie The Neon Demon. Um, but she's extremely funny in a limited uh, screen time. And the thing about Nocturnal Animals, too, is even though it's very serious, it's also funny. There are moments of humor. 
that are supposed to be humorous. Um, Michael Shannon. Uh, Michael Shannon's in like what? How many movies? And I love it. Is he? I love. He popped up in Loving for like a hot oh, second. Did he really? Saw the movie for five minutes and then disappeared. But it was like a lovely five minutes. I'm calling it right now. He's going to become. Uh, uh, you can timestamp this because he's going to get an Academy Award for Best Supporting. Uh, this year, I guarantee it. I saw him at the Lightbox. I think he was checking me out. Except maybe... Oh, I'm not ignoring what you said, but I'm, I'm just going to finish up with that. Except maybe he and... Uh, I think maybe he and uh, and Jeff Bridges are going to have to have a duke out because they both play these sort of really taciturn, cotton-mouthed, uh, West Texas law enforcement men. Uh, Ooh. Because... Uh, Jeff Bridges was in Hell and High Water, and he was Hell or High Water, and he was fantastic. So there might be a good old-fashioned Texas shootout to see who wins, but Michael Shannon is really, really good in this. And I love in his, uh, this, um, like, all the official f- photos for the film, you see everybody, like, dressed up. Michael Shannon's, like, wearing shorts. <laughs> he was rolling around town with a Hawaiian shirt at one point. Well, he's wearing shorts and, and blue, like, calf-length socks in the pictures, and it's, like, and, like, some graphic tee, and you're like, oh, my God, this is, like... It's actually kind of perfect. It's not even like he doesn't have stuff because he's shooting here right now. Oh yeah, no, he's this been is spotted a, around town for like a couple weeks. This is he's keeping it cash. Like yeah. he's like, I'm going back to my pad. Yeah. I'm not getting on a plane and going back to the U.S. Open, no. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, so yeah, he's like, uh, I am just. It's, he's so like the performance is lived in, and Michael Shannon is very lived in. And I realized after seeing him in this and in the night before, he. He's always been deployed to, p- to play this like sort of really brooding, dark, damaged person. But he's so funny because his affect is exactly the same when he's in a comedy. So like he's not he's playing the role straight up serious. But his line delivery kills me in this movie. He's really really funny. He anyway. came in as the Life magazine photographer and loving, and was just sort of charming and urbane, and somehow managed to crack through the taciturn nature of the couples. Like so, he's the Ooh. one that took. In the movie, like his character was the one that the took light, that picture yeah. that you know you see them like yeah. actually chilling yeah. on the couch, like being normal people for like a hot second, right? Because he just sort of came in and like broke down all their barriers, had dinner with the family, was super chill. So he came in and was the most opposite of a Michael Shannon, Shannon yeah. character. Like talk about casting against type, and it was like delightful. It's really quite amazing because I've even heard. Uh, like reading interviews with him, a lot of he intimidates a lot of uh, interviewers because he's so like that is him. He's got that face, man, and that's his demeanor. Like if if you ask him a question that he doesn't like, he's just gonna stare at you, and you're gonna feel stupid. He's so striking. I was yeah. sitting at Luma with my buddy James. We were talking about how thirsty we were and considering stealing water from the pitchers that were right next to us at the end of the bar area. That's what they're. That's what they're there for. And I felt a gaze. So this is like a movie's just got out, oh, I think and what happens when I a movie a gaze gets, was like some sort of adjective. No, and you know when a movie gets out of the light box, yes, they come your the connectivity mirror. will drop because all of a sudden everyone's turning their phones on. So there's always like a minute where, even if you're on TIFF Public, like you lose it for a bit. So a movie just come out, people are coming down the ramp. So it's a ton of people. It's not yeah. like it's one or two people. And I look up and I see Michael Shannon looking at me. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, he pulls focus so much. I could be having a conversation 10 feet away from him and still, like, just feel the heat of his gaze. Like he, Just like Zod. He, he burns, does have that vision. He burns through the camera. Yeah. But it's like that in real life. Like he was just walking around in broad daylight. Mm. He's probably just thinking, oh, I want to go to Quantum to get another coffee. Mm. And, yeah. He just has this odd sexiness about him. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's got, he, he's got the charisma for sure. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, yeah, so Nocturnal Animals is my number, my number one. 
Okay. And I'm going to say for Mary, who's not here right now, uh, she really liked Colossal. Like, a lot, a lot, a lot. She said it may be her favorite movie this year. So is that the Anne Hathaway one? Yeah, and somebody I've else told of, me... I've heard fantastic things about this movie, too. Somebody else told me that and it really Jackie. is making them take another look at Anne, Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. Yes. So, the, you know, yeah, so this some, is the one where she prizes this year. She has some sort of psychic connection with a... Or or she has visions of a gigantic uh, monster and the other. In, I guess I don't know. Episode. I didn't. I didn't actually want to get any spoilers because I. I feel like I want to see this movie now. Me either. Like I, as time goes on, like I consider even who somebody is playing, like what their relationships are to each other, to be a spoiler. So uh, when I like every movie I went into, I had no idea what to expect, which has led to like it for me. It's always much more rewarding to see the thing unfold yeah. rather than to anticipate it. Um, I like to go in not knowing anything and seeing if it works organically. Because I've already know that two people are connected. I'm like, okay, so they're married, so, or they're brother and sister, and I already have assumptions about that relationship. But when the movie takes me down that path and I don't necessarily know what the connections are until I see them happen, that's, uh, for me, a much better way to watch a movie. So my second, and honestly, could, I could reverse the order of these, is Lion. Yeah, which her great things about this too. And here's the thing. So you know how in a previous podcast I may have referred to Riz Ahmed as the hot Dev Patel, or you may have. One of us did. Oh. Is probably me because it's no, me. because I think that Patel, since he grew that, since he grew his hair and got facial hair, he looks. Uh, he can get it now. Oh he's, my god! He's, not only can yeah. he can get it, he can really get it because for this movie and the director even talked about is that. Is he naked? They had him pack on some weight. Ah, uh, muscles. Because the the actual real life person in the story is based on. He's a bit beefier. Like, right. He's not a big boy, but right. he's like, and he actually put on like not weight, weight, but muscle weight. He doesn't look like the reason he was cast in Slumdog, which is because he's sort of a yeah. scrawny Englishman. He looks so good. So he probably put on like twenty pounds of lean protein he, weight. Deb Patel is the hot Deb Patel. Yeah, I apologize. Oh, yeah, yeah no, no, he's a uh, yeah. Uh, for the last, uh, I forget how I was having this conversation with, but I was like, like finally, it's like because oh yeah, I was talking to my friend Aaron. And, you know, for the longest time, I'm like, yeah, like, uh, uh, he was really punching above his weight with, uh, with Frida Pinto. No. No, I'm like, uh, actually, Frida Pinto was punching above her weight. Yeah. Because he's so tall, too. And he's, oh, my God, the the hair. hair. The hair, yes. Mm. The hair is everything. Because he had a terrible haircut before. He looked like a geek. Yeah. He looked like the kid off Skins. And now he is, like, he's pulled, he's pulled it full on Nicholas Holt. Yeah. They have really turned into men. Plus, he's giving me with the hair a little bit of like you know season one heroes Mohinder. Mohinder, yes. Yeah. And Aaron, I would put Aaron Taylor Johnson in that category too. Like mm-hmm. he is such a man. Like how old is he? Like twenty three or twenty four? Yeah. But when he lets his hair most. go a little bit. Oh my god! Yeah, because yeah. uh, he's yeah he's like he's he's got the physique of a of a man. Yes, but back to the movie. Oh yeah, I, got, I got was. <laughs> I mean, the premise you read it and you guys. think, oh, you know, like it'll do this and that and whatever. But again, the performances are so great. The little kid is fantastic. Yeah, the little him. We're, we're gonna see the kid. I'm sure at least being trotted around. Hopefully during award season. And oh, I love when they trot around like a little hit. kid. I know. I do too. I mean, Jacob Tremblay did such a great job last year. Oh yeah, he really represented for the for the child actor. Yeah, I, I saw Burn Your Maps. I haven't seen that yet. Oh yeah, I'm not so interested in that. But once but again, moving on back yeah, to Deb yeah. uh, and Lion. Nicole Kidman has expressions on her face again. That was awesome. Yep. Uh, Faramir, what's his name? David something or other. He played the dad. And Oh, David Wenham, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was... How was the Mara? The Mara was good. The Mara was warm. Well, she was warm in Carol. Yeah. I just... I think I loved every performance. The, 
the actress who played his mother, though, Jesus Christ. I cannot, I can't even talk about it, because I'm going to start crying. Yeah, you get verklempt, yeah. I, yeah, anyway, lines really good. And I really liked it. Uh, I cried for basically the whole third act, and so did half the theater. I heard grown men sobbing. It was, it tore people inside out. And I saw it at the Elgin, and so on the sidewalk afterwards, just red eyes and people like slamming on their sunglasses and shoving tickets into the boxes. Running. Like, that's my pick that I think will probably win People's Choice. If, if La La Land beats it, it's going to be just because of the sheer charisma of Ryan Gosling, because Emma Stone was aight, but huh. I feel like that movie, well, we can talk about it after the break. Yeah, let me, but, but yeah. To, me, to me, Lion seems like a, uh, like, you know, the movie that... And they added extra screenings for it, which is usually oh, really? a good sign. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that it, yes. so the, the demand must be high. Yeah. But to me, uh, it, it sounds to me like it will evoke what um, the namesake evoked, which, I mean, I was a mess in the, in the namesake. Yeah. Um, so are we going to take a break? Or? Oh, no. You're going to tell me your second oh, most my, favorite. My second most favorite. Um, so there's a huge gap. It's like when that chick won the, the swimming by a pool and a half length. <laughs> this is the difference between... Uh, Nocturnal animals and, and your number and, two. Uh, and, uh, well, yeah. I mean, okay. so far also because I have not... You I mean, haven't seen a lot. You've seen like, a few. I've seen like seven. Um, I've seen like 20. Yeah, so um, I would probably say that's it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm looking at my list. And I've seen a lot of good stuff, but I actually really liked uh, the line host, the dogs between me and the mic. Get out of the way. Um, I really liked the Limehouse Gollum, which was... Uh, really? Yep. It was um, remarkably good. Um, Jesus. It, I don't even know anyone who's seen that. So Mr. Bill Nye it plays... Oh, wait, I do know someone yeah. who's seen it. So uh, basically, and I don't know why I chose it, just... Uh, who knows why anyone does anything. Um, but I didn't expect to be um, as thrilled by it as I was. So basically, it's a gothic... Um, it's not a horror tra- tale. It's really a... It's a, it's a detective story, and Bill Nye is this uh, detective who they put in charge of this notorious case of the Limehouse Gollum. It's someone who's running around performing a series of murders in, uh, in Victorian times, and there's no real MO um, because all the victims have different profiles. And um, he's brought in... Um, to investigate the case, and it is really, really, really good. Uh, they do this thing. So there's a, a story with Elizabeth, um, Olivia Cook is charged with murder. She's charged with murdering her husband. So he's trying to make a connection between these two cases, and uh, so there's a lot of going back in time. Um, there's a lot of, but it's done in a really, really uh, effective way. Um, and it's based on a novel, but in the novel it was. Uh, there was a series of letters, so they've put some of that into the movie. So the structure is actually something, just like Nocturnal Animals, the structure would be very, very difficult to to make into a cohesive movie. But the screenplays are so tight that all the jumping back and forth in time um, really, really works. Um, so once again, I mean, I don't think a lot of people um, are hyping the movie up, um, but once it gets reviewed, sorry, once it gets released, um, and I'm not sure when it's getting released or if it has distribution yet, um, but it really, like, it's really... And programmed by Pierce. Jesus. Strangely enough. What a surprise. No, but it's it's really, really good. It made me happy. It doesn't have distribution yet. Maybe someone's picked it up and they haven't announced, Maybe. but it oh, only has sales agents, and there's still a public screening. So also, that's the other thing, folks. We're trying to only talk about movies today that still have screenings coming up. 
So well, we not, did not like whatever, but this is as a coincidence. I did like other movies that maybe they ha- already had all their public screenings, but both of the movies that we both mentioned still have public screenings coming up. Yes, you will not be disappointed yeah. in this film. And Olivia Cook, who heretofore I don't think you've ever seen in um, the TV show um, Bates Motel. Okay. Uh, she's in a she's a she's really really good. Uh, actually, strangely enough, in the photo in the book, I thought it was um, Carrie Carrie married to sons of Mumford. I would have never picked this movie. It's programmed by peers. Yep. It's got a male director. It's got almost all white people. I didn't notice that at least the director appears to be Latino. But other than that, like I might have never, yeah, I would have never I, even and, thought about this. And movie. I don't know why I picked it. It's like it's the opposite of something that I would normally pick. But I just, I don't know. I just threw a, it. Just spoke to me. Maybe it's just I think a it's series of brutal killings. Yes, I think it was a title actually. Yeah. Because you know, like there's the there's the the legend of the golem in, in Jewish um, mysticism. Yes. Um, the aesthetic is giving me like a real crimson peak kind of vibe too. Yes, yes, it has that. But that's the the era. But there's also Olivia Cook is a she's an actor, so you have a lot of time spent in British theater uh, from the late uh, I guess I'm guessing the late or the mid 1800s, uh, and theater back then was just. It was uh, all just, they would just spend a lot of time uh, recreating the most graphic murders of the day. Uh, so well, that sounds like fun. Yeah, and uh, Tom, uh, Douglas Booth is in it. He's the, one of the prettiest men alive. And he's really, really good in the movie, too. It's like you have these great performances by people who you would not uh, necessarily expect greatness from. Oh, good Lord, his mouth is just... Yeah, he's, he's, he's too, like, he's a... Uh, like on in terms of good looks, he's an eleven, which makes him too good looking. To, yeah, t- he's almost unattractive because he's. Do you know what I mean? He's yeah, too, he's too good looking. He's repulsive. Yeah, if you know what I mean. He looks kind of like like look if at like, look at Angelina Jolie had gender reassignment surgery, or if she and Brad Pitt had a child that truly looked like both of them. Yeah, he has a Brad Pittism to yeah. to yeah. Jesus, he's yeah. really handsome. Yeah, it's crazy how good looking he is. Um, but he is very, very good in this film. Like I, I give this a, yeah, I highly recommend. What has he been in that I've seen? Oh my God, he was in Jupiter Ascending. Oh well, I did not see that. Oh, sweet baby. He's, oh, he plays like one of Sons and Noah. He was the one. Yeah. Okay. He was the one who was too good looking to be like on that boat. He's in Riot Club, which I didn't see. He was in some movie with a whole bunch of boys, History Boys, or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. He, he's a. I mean, there's nothing to recommend him as a great actor. Uh, before this, but he's really good in this. He, and his role is rather complex because he's an actor playing an actor. Okay. And he's convincing us both. All right. Well, we're going to take a break because I've just torn through this beer. And we'll be back with a couple other favorites that are still showing this week. Okay. And we're back. And we're going to go through our next two. And then we're going to cut it off after that. Yeah. Uh, because why should you get the benefit of all of our wisdom yeah and we are going to talk more about the festival obviously after After, it's over yeah Yeah. but i I honestly got to smash this beer and get to another movie so we are going to talk about our next favorite which we both saw abacus small enough to jail yes when did you see it you didn't see it last night did you no i saw it on i feel like it was sunday let's call it sunday so uh, was the family there? The whole family was there. I heard so the including the extra daughter who you actually can see because she's the only one who's not a lawyer and, and she just, and she doesn't work in Manhattan. She's because she and her mom yeah. they both like to. She's the one who her mother said that she's like me. She doesn't like the city except when she took the mic. She was 
just as eloquent. sort of forceful, eloquent, articulate as all the rest of her sisters. They have, but Those they have to be. Those girls are amazing. Okay, so anyway, so the back. So yeah. let's uh, explain what the movie is. So uh, Abacus Small Enough to Jail is directed by Steve James, the guy who directed Hoop Dreams. He and, was robbed. And Steve, yeah, he. This is when yeah. this is the first time uh, people. Uh, complained because Hoop Dreams was not nominated for uh, an Academy Award for documentary, and people were like, "What? This is a farce." It's um, because it was about black people, even though Steve James isn't black people. And this was like ages ago, so things have changed. But uh, so, and documentaries have gotten a lot more um, uh, diverse and a lot more in their subject matter, but also a lot more respect because I feel like Hoop Dreams is the first documentary that had that sort of crossover mainstream appeal. That could have been the best picture. So anyway, so um, the movie is about this small uh, family-owned bank in Chinatown in New York called Abacus. And uh, the DA of uh, New York decided to make an example out of them. Um, So they brought indictments against them. It's really loosely tied to the 2008 financial crisis because it it wasn't about subprime mortgages, but because all the big fish could not be prosecuted. Um, For reasons. Yeah, because... And also because these banks were too, I mean, so the name of the, of the movie is not uh, coincidental. All these other banks were too big to fail, so they couldn't uh, shut down the institutions or revoke their charters because it would have crippled the global economy. So this is a small bank dealing with uh, mostly Chinese-American uh, customers. They had six branches in Chinatown in New York, so they decided to go after this family. But this is after the family... Um, fired somebody who was doing something improper. So they had one shady employee. Yes. And they report, they self-reported, and they and the most poignant thing to me was when they said that, you know, we provided them like hundreds of thousands of pages of documentation, and that's what they used to build the case against them. Um, so and it's uh, so the, the family is uh, led by this, I mean, they're all so great, but the dad uh, is like, he's now 81, and he's this incredibly eloquent, he used to be a lawyer, he's incredibly eloquent, Man and handsome, he's very handsome, and he has four uh, fierce daughters and a wife who is like a real firecracker. Um, and it's the story of um, the prosecution of that case. We're not going to tell you how it ends up, uh, but it is uh, with Steve James is a great documentarian. This isn't his best documentary, but it is such a good movie, and it's about something that most people don't know. They uh, in the Q and A. Um, they talked about, so Steve James and, and his uh, producer were talking about how this story was widely um, reported in the Chinese um, in the Chinese press in New York. But completely ignored by... By every other mainstream news outlet. Yeah. So, uh, do, so your thoughts on it. Uh, I you l- liked it. I loved it. All I agree with everything you said. The one thing that I, I was interested in, and if I'd asked a question in the Q&A, but I was way up in the balcony, because yeah. I brought a Tiff Virgin who couldn't figure out how to log in to get his ticket because <laughs> of the website. But again, we'll deal with that later. Yeah, we'll talk about that. In, in so the, you got held up at the door. So even though I lined up an hour and a half early, mm-hmm. we still got crappy seats because Wonderful. waiting for him to sort out his ticket situation. Was that the Ryerson? It was, I was at the hot dogs for the oh, okay. first screening. Uh, anyway, I, I was interested that they never specifically used the R word. Like they never specifically said racism. Race? They talked about the community. They talked about how they're targeting the specific community or, mm-hmm. or how they're targeting the small bank or whatever. They danced around it and maybe, I mean, this is because partially maybe because the family was so, I'd say for the whole like first, let's say, third of the movie, even the family themselves, especially the one daughter who used to work for the DA's office, mm-hmm. was they were, they were legit just amazed that this was even happening. happening. Yeah. 
And they had, up until I'd say the first third of the movie, some faith in the judicial system. And that was sort of the most interesting part for me to sort of watch that light die in their eyes when they realized, oh, so even though they never use that word, I feel like there's like different points of the movie where you could see where each person in the family realized what was really... What, what it was about, and not just that, that there was no way to stop this train. That, like, even though every sort of logical person truly understood that these guys were beyond innocent. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that there were certain people, even certain people on the jury, that could not get past there, and I'm going to be generous and call it unconscious bias. Right, exactly. Instead of calling them racist motherfuckers. Right, right. Couldn't get past their unconscious bias and, like, really wanted to, like take this family down and partially because of what happened to the economy, but also because these people in this community didn't look like them. So it was easy. It was a very easy target. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of times in the film where, uh, you know, they talked about the perp walk that they had the accused go through. That was beyond. First of all, they're bankers. We've both worked at banks. Like, to be perp walked as a banker is ridiculous. Yeah. They had like ba- basically nine uh, people who were accused and chained together and marched through the through the courthouse to be indicted. It was I like didn't a even real know spectacle. they still made handcuffs like that. Yeah, it was like they must have had to go down to the local sex club to get that. Or get down to like Louisiana in 1950. It was like yeah. it was ridiculous. Um, and there was also, you know, some talk about how this is a community that doesn't have any political power. Um, and, you know, they talked a little bit about the history of Chinatown and how they had to have these family organizations because Chinese people weren't allowed to be part of mainstream society, so they had these family associations. So it's a very tight-knit community. Um, and for the Sung family, I feel like because they were... I mean, this might be the problem with exceptionalism because they were all so smart and independent and had led these fantastic lives... I think they... Imagine saying, oh, I had four girls, but they're all lawyers. And they're all... Or three they, lawyers, lawyers and, and... Three lawyers and the other one's a genius, too. Yeah. Like, I like, don't know what she yeah. does, but... Um, and so I think... Uh, I mean, I think, you know, I'm speaking, like, partly for myself, too, and you might uh, also agree. I think it's... For them to see it as race-based is almost ridiculous because they aren't they've probably led lives where their race hasn't been a huge issue for them because they're all so exceptional. So to have something like this happen, I don't think they are able to comprehend it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's powerful. I th- actually think that they should sell the movie uh, in terms of... Um, like, I think they really should lean into the fact that this is uh, a Chinese-owned business and make that what the movie's about. Because, I mean... You know, the, the fact that there was one institution that got uh, in, indicted in the wake of the financial crisis is interesting, but the fact of who they went after is the more interesting part yeah. of the story. And even uh, in the story, uh, like in the, in the documentary, uh, you... Um, and the I, fact that they did this instead of countersuing the city, and I love that I really love. And that they must have known the whole time because the cameras were with them. Yeah. So the city must have known that there was going to be a documentary, documentary about yeah. this. And Steve James, if Steve James is making a documentary yeah. about somebody I was uh, bringing to court, I'd be like, uh, I'm going to dismiss the charges. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I did find uh, really uh, sweet, I mean, I just love the dad, but 
him not thinking that this is just like the impact that this has on his family. The fact that it cost $10 million for this lawsuit, they yeah. seem to not be that bothered about. Um, but the fact that he was worried about the impact, not in his family, but the impact on the community. On, on the community. And the reputation of, of the community. community. And he didn't want people to think that Chinese Americans were... Uh, Dishonest. Or, or yeah, or, or, or not law-abiding. That's, I mean, that was... The thing, like he's such a good. I mean, you know, you go into a documentary. There's a bias, and obviously in this one, you know, the filmmaker. Uh, so uh, the producer actually had a relationship with, and when I say relationship, like not sexual, but he was friends with with Vera, so he knew her. Um, so and Vera is the eldest daughter in the family, but it's really weird to see a documentary, and, uh, and you can say, I unequivocally think everybody in this family is honest. There's nothing, like they're so open. Yeah. And they're so like, I can't. This seems so honest. And I know that you know, uh, you know, art is you know, it can manipulate, and you can see things that don't, you know, people can be presented in a certain light. But this family seems so good and so real. They they don't seem they're not acting good. They just seem good. So yeah. you, you actually you invest a lot into this family and, and and what the outcome is for them. It was it was remarkable. And we are running slightly out of time. Okay. So I, I got a text from somebody else who's seeing this movie with us who's all, are you in line yet? So, oh, my God. Uh, I'd say that's the last one we're going to go deep on. I'm just going to do a quick list of okay. other movies that either I liked or other people I know have liked okay. uh, that are still definitely available to see. Uh, La La Land, we, we touched on briefly. I'm going to also oh, talk about Divines. Somebody said they really like Divines. One of the other movie nerds. Uh, Gina the Joneses, we're going to see the second screening, I guess. Yeah, on Saturday. And uh, Raw, for people who are okay with a movie that made people allegedly pass out. So it's apparently pretty rough. It's a Midnight Madness pick, but mm. some people I know really liked it. Mm. And Moonlight, which I don't know if we talked about it. This but is the Barry Jenkins film. Yes. And it's, I've heard... Uh, fantastic things about it. Uh, this is like the buzziest thing that I heard. Of, uh, yeah. Coming of age story. Heard nothing about it coming into the festival yeah. and it's like it I up. hear at least 10 strangers talk about it. Like even when I was waiting mm-hmm. to go into my last movie this woman was like I think there's a there's a and i screening I have to get to 1.30 for a movie called Midnight I think and I was like girl do you mean Midnight Moonlight and looked <laughs> it up for her and I was like it was 1.30 it's Scotia so you better get to step in. She's lovely. She's some British lady. She's here with another movie. She's like, oh, my movie's not that great, but you should go see it. Well, I won't tell you which one it is. Well, that's damning yourself with fame praise. Yeah. And Into the Inferno, Werner Herzog, if you like Werner Herzog, it was this crazy like, town I as do like what you can imagine. I haven't heard great things about Salt and Fire, though, but Into the Inferno was great. So this is the one where, where he goes like, to the a volcano, right? And he's wearing, like, he goes, they, almost falls into a volcano. He goes to a bunch of volcanoes. I love it. And uh, I think that's it for things that I've heard are good or that I've seen that I know are still screening. And for you, anything else? Um, well, I mean, you know, I don't know what I've seen that's that screening. Um, oh, no, actually, we just talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to have to pull it up again. Um, the Patriarch, which is a right. movie from New Zealand. Uh, and I didn't want to hear about that. New Zealanders do not let me down. Never. But it's uh, usually a Jane pick, right? Yes, it, that was a Jane pick. Of course it is. Uh, and it was superb. Um, it's just about this family. Tell me nothing more, because I've got yeah. it on... Uh, I yeah. think I've got it on... Just, just a family in New Zealand. I think it's my last movie. So the only thing I will say is that it's about a Maori family in uh, New Zealand in the 19, late 1950s, early 1960s, which is something... I mean, I've seen a million movies, because New Zealand is one of my countries. I will... I'll, 
definitely, like every year I'm definitely seeing something from New Zealand. Oh God, it's a real Sophie's Choice now because I was going to drop that movie to go for Nocturnal Animals. So oh, it's an either or. But you know what? I should well, see the Patriot. I mean, I, I should see the Patriot. Nocturnal it's not Animals is get coming released. out on uh, uh, the page. Sorry, Nocturnal Animals is coming out on November eighteenth. And then when I go see it again, you can go with me. Yes, I will. Yeah, uh, but the Patriarch is this because it's it's such it's a different time. Yeah. Um, and it's really 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 good. And uh, I've, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I think the Maori are the hottest people on earth. Oh my god! Sorry to every other ethnicity, but when I was in New Zealand, I was like, oh my god, everyone's so good looking, and everyone has really. Um, May tell you more about me than you need to know. Yeah, but the Ooh, men, the I men, the, men the kid that was in the rehearsal. But which the men, the movie have, wasn't that great. But that they have the thickest because yeah. they're Pacific Islanders. Beautiful faces, and you're like, oh, well, uh, but the thighs, big thighs. Yes, but, I mean, just I mean, they're very powerful. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, uh, I have a special place in my heart for, for movies from New Zealand about Maoris. I mean, about white people too. But you know, yeah. What country was this from? Oh, it was Australia, New Zealand. But this lead, this picture does him no justice in the in the book. But is it a dance movie? No, it's oh. like about an acting school. Is it the guy but who's second from that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. Well, if the picture doesn't do me justice, I can't imagine how good looking he looks in real life. Delicious. Yes. Absolutely delicious. Keep an eye out for that kid. Yum. Anyway, uh, we're going to go uh, get this podcast up and get in line. Yep. And we'll talk to you guys probably next week after we've had some time to recover, shower, do some laundry. I'm down. I, I have enough underwear to get through the rest of the week, I think. Hmm. But we'll see. TBD. Spoiler alert. Yeah. And I'm sure, as I say every year, I won't wear Lululemon pants in public. And I'm sure on my Saturday, I will be wearing Lululemon pants in public. Well, I'm, I am actually, I was going to wear my Uniqlo sweatpants today, but since you're here, I won't change. I'll wear them. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, on Friday, Friday is my only, I have three movies on Friday, and I'm wearing those Uniqlo sweatpants. <laughs> All right. Because the temperature's dro- dropped a bit here, And too. Uniqlo's opening up that, this uh, month? The 30th, and I can't even wait, so yeah. I can re-up my pants. Yeah. They make the best sweatpants, period. I don't care what anybody says, and there's one opening. The best sweatpants yeah. for your period, or the best sweatpants for Well, you? I never, well, I probably have, you know, to, yeah. to had Probably had a lady a, day a, in a, your pants? With them. But they're, just, they're so comfortable, and they fit so nice. Okay, tangent. We don't have time for tangents. we got to mm. get this bitch up, and I, I'd love to smash, like, one more beer. So what? we will see you, hear you, whatever, next week, listener. Hope you're enjoying the festival, too, and we'll be in a hot lineup soon. Out. Out. <laughs>